Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. I'm your host, Matt Coyne, and this week my colleague Dominic Brown speaks to Carl Orm. Carl is a former soldier and army officer who found long-distance running late in life. Since his first marathon in September 2019, he has now run three ultras and over 30 marathons, including 10 in 10 days, dressed as a giant breast for Breast Cancer UK. In 2022, Carl is running 26 marathons in 26 different ways, including backwards, carrying an egg and spoon, and with a giant beanbag on his head, plus many more. Dom talks to Carl about these challenges and the charities he supports, as well as talking about sharing with children the benefits of both physical and mental health with exercise. They also talk about the supportive nature of the running community with regards to mental health. Before we start the conversation, here's a quick word from our awesome season partners, Dry Robe, the original change robe company. Thank you to our awesome partners at Dry Robe for supporting us this season. Dry Robe are the original outdoor change robe company. Designed to let you get changed anywhere, the Dry Robe Advance is an essential piece of kit for outdoor adventurers who need to stay protected from the elements. The Dry Robe Advance is like having your own portable changing room, where the oversized design gives you plenty of space to get changed into and out of your sports gear. Versatile enough to be worn as a jacket on those chilly race mornings or sitting by the campfire in those barbecue evenings. Made from 100% recycled fabrics, the waterproof and windproof outer protects you from the elements, whilst the super warm lining will keep you toasty pre or post run. From surfing, wild swimming to triathlon, paddleboarding, or even walking your dog in torrential rain, the Dry Robe Advance is for everyone. To find out more, head over to dryrobe.com. Now, back to the episode. Carl Orm, the man with possibly the best Instagram handle I've, I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly sure there's better out there. <laughs> Fighting the dead board. I like it. I like it. Uh, how are you doing today? You all right? Yeah, I'm really good. Um, I've done my talking part for the morning. I've been able to have a meet around, drink a bit of coffee and generally relax and enjoy the show. Yeah, we're at the National National Running Show South and uh, your talk this morning, what was it all about? I chaired a panel on mental health and um, we chucked a slightly evocative subject out there of what's the big deal and the idea and it's the, I think that might be the fourth of these I've done for you guys, but it's such an important subject and it's still, people talk about it obviously, but I'm not really convinced they're doing enough still. So the idea today was for some real experts, those with personal experiences and actually a doctor that deals with this as well. I just kind of share, get people talking, get people thinking a bit more as well. And we will absolutely circle back to that because it's a big part of what you do. Um, but let's go back to the roots. How did you get into the running community? Because you joined it fairly late by your own admission. Yeah, very late, actually. I So I, I served in the army. I did 13 years as a soldier and officer. So I did running as part of what they call PT, physical training, um, amongst other stuff. But I never really classed myself as a runner because I wouldn't recreationally go out by choice. I didn't compete. And actually probably about 10 miles the furthest I'd ever run at that stage. I then, um, long story short, um, had a real struggle with depression. I was made redundant. And I went through a spell. I said, I've got to do something with my life now, something with myself. And I signed up for the New Forest Marathon. And that was for September 2019. Trained for it, did a fairly decent amount of training, competed, and um, did absolutely every single thing wrong that you can conceivably think of, despite knowing better. <laughs> so I set off too quickly. I set off for a ridiculous pace, like two minutes faster a mile than I normally would. Yeah. I didn't take on fluids because I thought, oh, it's going to waste time if I stop for drink. I didn't eat any. Just everything went wrong. And I creamed in about 18 miles and just grizzed it out for the last eight and a bit. Yeah. Finished and vowed never to do one again. Fast forward about four weeks, and I'm talking about... Um, Breast cancer is the charity. Mum um, had sadly had it twice. It nearly killed her. I had friends with it. So I, thought, oh, I want to do something for them to give back. 
And I still don't know where the idea came from. I thought, I'm going to run 20 marathons in 2020. So having done one in my whole life, it seems a natural progression. Um, so I did. I'd signed up for loads and proper events, Berlin, Barcelona, Amsterdam, London. Then COVID hit. Mm. And we're kind of in a position where none of these events were going ahead. But I'd made a commitment now to breast cancer and publicly that I was going to do it. So I kind of did a handful over time. I did um, one on my driveway, which if you imagine the world's worst bleep test, the driveway is <laughs> about 10 metres. So you're just going oh, to no. and from for over seven hours, just turning. My feet were bleeding. I was just oh, in an awful way. Um, but I was kind of getting to summertime and I'd had an accident. I slipped a disc in my back. And I was talking to Mike, actually, um, your boss. And he said, well, I think you're going to have to do something big, something impressive. And um, as he tells everyone. Doesn't sound like him. <laughs> he tells her I did seven in seven days so you've got to do more than that great thanks Mike and I ended up doing it in October I did ten in ten days to try and make it up but I also did wearing a giant boob nice as you do well it was a great idea for breast cancer the problem is it's not waterproof so every time it rained it was like running with a sponge and he kind of gradually hunched over heavier and heavier so this is a big part of what you do you like doing challenges that are Weird and wonderful, and I'd like to touch on a couple of them, because the last time we spoke, you were about to embark on a, correct me if I'm wrong, a Guinness World Record record attempt, which I'll let you talk about, which whether you were successful or not, uh-huh. but uh, it, was a, it was to do with burpees, right? Yes. Go for it. So that was um, October last year, I did it, a six-person mixed team. So um, I, I do a series of interviews online with Olympians, former Olympians, and Dean Macy, the decathlete, and I were talking about different challenges. And it's just one of those where two people get together, are both a bit stupid, and we ended up, I don't know where it came from, but all of a sudden we wanted to do a Guinness World Record for burpees, and we realised that the 12-hour most chest-to-floor burpees was what we deemed mathematically achievable. Um, in October, we took part in it, a six-person team, and we smashed the record by over a 1,000, and have now been given that official record by Guinness, now have a certificate, I don't think I've done a single burpee since, to be honest. I don't think I can think of anything <laughs> worse. I hate burpees myself, so let alone doing... Do you know, Do you reckon you could work out how many you did specifically? We, we did over a 1,000 each in that time, yeah. uh, wow. which is just ridiculous. And the pain afterwards, for days, I couldn't walk or move properly. It looked like something physically wrong with me. Was it a whole body or was yeah. it like hand, no, arm, your hands? Your hands, you imagine, obviously, there was um, callus, a bliss and thing. But yeah. you're just... Because it's a whole body movement from the jump up right the way back down to your chest and down everything hurt it would have been easier to find something that didn't and was that um was that a charity thing as well was that the pure just it was a charity basically yeah. it was a local charity called the indie rose trust and um really sadly they lost their daughter at the age of two to an aggressive form of brain cancer so what they do is they raise money for families that have got terminally ill children and the money goes towards they get um gift boxes for the children there's houses that the families can stay in as a little bit of a respite and a break and it's just I mean, it was one of the most emotional things I've done because at the end of it, there were families there that have children at Terminal watching us, that raising wow. the money. There was tears, the agony, just the whole thing. It was, I will never forget that day. Is that, a, 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 <clears throat> is that the motivation for you? There must be a certain amount of inner motivation of proving something or just doing something, but obviously that charity element and, and that, that must be a massive part of it as well. It is. For me, there's, there's two key parts. One of them is... There's elements of my life, my career, where I've had some real challenges. And looking back, I don't think I dealt with them mentally as robustly as I could have done. So I've been pushing myself the last few years to really see what I'm capable of to prove to myself. But the charity bit is huge as well, because 
what better motivation can you have when you're really struggling, you're in a dark place and you think, do you know what, this is nothing compared to what these people are going through daily. And that kind of drives you and wills you on. So it's that double motivation for me that helps me get through it. And then the other thing that you mentioned that you were planning on doing when we last spoke was running 26 marathons in 26 different ways. Yes. And this, you're, you're, on the way to doing that, right? I am. I have so far done a, a self-relay marathon, so a team person of one, one mile every hour on the hour for the 26 hours. I've done a marathon with an egg and spoon, a beanbag on my head, um, fancy dress. I've The most recent one I did five, six days ago was carrying a 26-pound dumbbell, uh, which was just horrific. It, your mm. grip goes in both hands. I had dumbbell-shaped bruises across my shoulders. I was wow. trying to carry it. Um, and that's for the charity Marathon Kids yeah. who are here today. Yeah. And the reason I want to do it for them is because what they're trying to do is they're trying to fight childhood obesity by educating children that actually if you compete and do things, but for fun, it's not always the element of the competing, but take part in physical activity. There's benefits longer term for your health. And then we're tying it into the mental health bit as well to be able to teach children. You can use exercise and opportunity to boost your endorphins, to feel better, to boost teamwork and confidence. So it's, I felt passionate, I wanted to help them. And this reflection wasn't my best idea of doing it this way but it's it's getting people talking they're a fantastic charity like you said they, they do great things and uh have you kind of like written a list of all the 26 ways or is it more mm, okay we'll do this one next <laughs> no i do have a list some of them haven't survived contact so i was meant to be at Rumfest run doing a marathon there yeah i'm doing a talking part but obviously that's been cancelled yeah um so the 100 meter arena I was going to be running around we're going to try and replicate but I've got coming up um, I'm doing one blindfolded doing one backwards I'm doing an official Guinness world record attempt again and this is going to be doing a marathon carrying a bike and I've got to do it under four hours 15 minutes Um, I'm doing one with a weighted bergen around remembrance so lots of different ones coming up looking forward to following that (laughs) on um, fighting the dad board so circling back what to what we spoke about earlier mental health Uh, obviously a massive advocate you do I do a lot for it um, you spoke at one of our shows previously and you were carrying, uh, it was almost like a weight and chain. Medicine ball, yes. Medicine ball. Talk us through that. So the concept that was a charity set up by some serving soldiers and it's to represent, you have it handcuffed to you, this four kilo med ball, and it's to represent a physical manifestation of the burden that people with mental health problems carry around. Because it's if you see someone going around and they're on crutches, you can see something physically there, can't you, or if their arms in a sling. But someone's got a serious mental health problem that affects what they do. And it's not just, it might make them a little bit anxious, lacking confidence. It can really be crippling. This shows that. And what I found when I carried it around, people come and ask you, what's that all all about? And you start having a conversation. Mm. And there were some incredibly moving stories from really pleasing things that people saying, actually, I have the confidence to talk about it. Some really tragic ones, including a lady whose husband took his own life at Christmas because he just hadn't spoken. So it's really just trying to challenge those preconceptions. And particularly as men, we're not great at it. And saying, listen, Let's just talk about it. And he was doing it a little bit of a light way with the med ball, but it was, a, it was a serious issue at heart as well. And as you all know, you've been in the running community a lot longer than I, but over the last year of seeing the community, mental health is a massive thing, not only just on one side, because being active, going outside, taking that, that step out the door and, and getting it done is a massive thing for mental health. And it's a massive way that people deal with mm-hmm. things or look to, you know, look to cope. But on the other side, a lot of runners that I've seen that I found especially compulsive runners, people that do ultra marathons a lot, and they themselves are either recovering with mental health issues or, yes. or addictions, especially addictions that you see that because then 
running becomes your compulsion, it becomes ultramarathons or repetitive yeah. races and, and things like that. It's really interesting, and I'm, I'm sure you've you've seen it more. But that mental health and running, it really has this kind of positive mixture, doesn't it? Well, it, it does massively, and I think that's why whenever we've spoken about mental health at the Run Show it's always had a good audience there and those that want to engage in being part of it. I think potentially it's not just because you've obviously got the endorphins of the physical exercise. You've got the, as you say, um, this slightly addictive piece runners trying to push themselves further and further, but also the running community themselves it is so supportive. Um, there's no judgment. And whether you're doing a couch to 5k, your first part run marathon ultra, people are always supportive. And that makes a big difference because regardless of your level of fitness, your shape, your size, your age, there is a group of people there to support you. That's a big thing. And actually, in everyday life, life can be cruel at times. And if you've got a good group of people around you, it makes a big difference. And I th- that's really Im- uh, embodied. I mean, you see it with the running community in general, but at this show in particular with, with the ambassadors, mm-hmm. I see it quite a lot in this ambassador group. But there's people posting their runs or posting what they're doing or talking about the show or whatever, and it's always supportive and you always see it on social media. And it, it's so right. It's such a positive. And you only have to go to a race. Yeah. And the, I mean, it's personified in the, the London Marathon, but there's even smaller half marathons and 10Ks where people are clapping on the side of the road and th- that's not even runners, but the runners will then stay afterwards yes. and watch and it's such an amazing community, isn't it? Well, I did um, the Brighton Marathon about three weeks ago and I don't think there was a single stretch of road there wasn't somebody clapping, cheering. You think these people are given their day to stand there and support yeah. you, the difference it makes. And i share a story if I can actually that really for me represents the running community as well. Um, a couple of years ago, I took mum round her first ever park run. Um, mum's disabled. She had a walker. Uh, it took her an hour and 16 minutes to do a 5K. And it was the furthest she'd done in a long, long time. There must have been a dozen or 15 people that stayed behind and clapped and cheered her in those last few hundred metres. And for her, it was that was her marathon. That was equivalent doing it. But the love and support for them to stay and do that just meant so much. And that, for me, really embodies what the running community is about. Absolutely. That's that's amazing. And that you... They'll just keep going until whoever the last person is. Yeah. is that's not what it's about. It's not about the see people go there to compete and do whatever and, and run different times and everyone's got their own goals. But ultimately, it's for someone to come along on a Saturday morning and get their get their five k in. That's yeah. that's amazing. It must be difficult sometimes putting yourself out and t- to be someone that talks about mental health. It almost opens you up to then when you're at a show or even on social media, people send you messages, people come up and talk to you and the nature of the topic, it is often quite a difficult thing. Yeah. Do you find it difficult when people come to you and talk to you? Does it often go, actually, it's quite a, a weight on your shoulders sometimes, or is it always like you can kind of put that down one channel and understand the situation you're in? No, that's an interesting question because it is, it is a difficult area. Uh, I suppose, unfortunately, in one sense, that as someone that's been through mental health challenges and has talked about it and done a lot of support around it, but I'm very clear I'm not an expert. Um, I suppose that lightens my burden of responsibility slightly. but uh, And I'm always clear with people, I'll share my experiences. And because through the forces community and others, I've got a lot of experience. It almost takes that little bit away from me, but you can't help it. Human empathy says, I mean, someone came to talk to me after the show today. I was sat crying, talking to me, and you can't help but feel important in that, can you? And you really mm. want to be able to, I want to help. Can, can I make a difference? So it's, but it, it can be difficult, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose you mentioned it before, you're encouraging people to talk. Well, you're not yeah. saying you're a counsellor, you're not saying that you're going to be able to, obviously you will sit down with someone and talk to them because yeah. you're in this position, but it's about encouraging people to talk more and be open to the topic. Absolutely. 
And mental health is such a personal thing that there isn't a one-size-fits-all. Mm. It's not like, it, it, you, you know, pull a ligament, um, break a bone. It's a fairly well-trodden path of recovery. There isn't for mental health. So the more examples you can get of, well, this worked for me, this is what I did, this is who I spoke to, then, okay, I'm going to try a bit of that. It didn't work so well. I'm going to talk to a family or talk to a stranger or I'm going to do exercise, whatever it is. So it's, it's nice that people have that option to be able to pick. Definitely. If you had to give a piece of advice to someone who was struggling to get that for first step out the door to either go for a run or go to the gym or whatever. Do you have a piece of advice that you would say, try and do this first or take it in stages? Well, interestingly, the chap I spoke to earlier, it's, uh, he described it as crippling anxiety and exactly that. He said, it uses all my energy to get through my day. I then can't go out. So we just had a talk and I said, well, what are you trying to get out to do? And he said, I, I want to be able to run. He was talking about doing a London to Brighton one day. I said, well, what if... You get your running gear out at the start of the day. So when you come back, it's there. It's a visual cue for you. And even if you simply put it on and literally do go out the door and walk for a bit, that's the hardest part because very rarely, once you've gone out, just started walking a bit, started doing something, you've gotten off that sofa or you've made that big mental step. I can walk a bit right, maybe I'll jog or... So that'd be the only thing. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes life really is awful. But often if you've got that gear on, you think, well, I'll just go out for a little bit. And no pressure, no time, no expectation. Great. But for other people, um, this is where social media comes in, they make it public what they're going to do. Mm. They, they hold themselves accountable in the public eye. And that's not for everyone because it can be quite oppressive and demanding. But say, I'm going to commit to doing this. And all that obligation, well, I need to because I've said it now. So it's, it's fine something that works for you. A lot of friends that I've had that started fitness accounts and it comes a joke like, oh, you start a fitness account. Yeah. But actually for that person, it's, well, if I have a fitness account and there's, there is that, yes, you're right in what you said. You, sometimes may be difficult because oh, I feel like I have to post. But in if it's used in the right way, okay, well, I've got this account. I will use it to document what I'm doing. Yeah. And that might be the focus. But actually by documenting what I'm doing, I've run three times a week or I've gone to the gym exactly. three times a week or I've just started walking to work or cycling to work. And that's, that's what it's all about. Um, you're used to actually being on this side. Like you said, you spoke <laughs> earlier, um, cast interviews, and you spoke to different people. Can you pick out a couple of people or one people, one, a person that, that was a really interesting, someone really interested to talk to? Ooh. You can pick a couple. <laughs> there is, I mean, I've been really, really lucky. So I've kind of spoken to not only Olympians or athletes, if you like, so the likes of um, Becky Adlington after swimming, um, spoken to Roger Black, people like that. But it's also, I've spoken to people from minority sports. So Sarah Stevenson, who did Taekwondo, and she, her journey was so powerful. Um, while she was competing to go out to the World Championships in Korea, um, both of her parents were terminally ill in a different ward of the same hospital. Um, you think the mental resilience and strength for that to be able to deal with. And um, she's been a firm friend since, and we're actually doing work with other athletes and Olympians now, that when they finish their career, it's not a great deal there for that support in terms of the transition through. So we've got a cohort of people, and Joe Pavey, bless her, downstairs has agreed to be a part of it as well. And we're trying to help raise that awareness, say, it doesn't matter what you've done, you need to almost start again. But we need, we're trying to help people, give them the confidence to do that, to understand that it is incredible that this thing you've done and you've not lost your identity. You'll always have done that. And the same way soldiers, when they've left the army, they're veterans. They still, just because they don't have that camaraderie, they don't have that identity, but it's easier said than done. And the amount of people really struggle as a result of it. Um, in terms of other people I spoke to, I found um, Tony Jarrett was really interesting just because 
obviously he had his entire athletics career just behind Colin. And even when Colin broke the world record, Tony had two then. But it's really nice to listen to his quite philosophical take on things as well. Mm. And it for me, it, I feel so privileged. It exposes me to people I never would normally get to speak to. And the same as when you meet the people here, it's just... 99% of them are really nice, decent, genuine people that are happy to share their experience and advice. It's wonderful. I think you summed that up extremely well. Before we finished, three final questions I'd be interested to hear. First question, what has been your best, and you can take this in whatever de- definition you want, okay. your best run? Ooh. Um, I think potentially I did um, about 18 months ago a Portsmouth Coastal Ultra. Um, I rocked up and there was all sorts of problems. My prep hadn't gone well. Um, even suddenly as silly as there was a massive queue for the toilets and I was actually late for the start line. I then went running across it and for the first two or three miles, I was whinging and moaning to anyone that listened. I was just, <laughs> my head wasn't in the right place. But then as I went round, I started talking to people, talking to more runners. We were sharing our experiences and journeys. Um, and that buoyed me a fair bit. And then also, um, it was the longest run I'd ever done at that stage. And I hit a wall quite big style. And I had a friend of mine going through breast cancer, sadly lost their fight with it now. But I kind of thought to myself, look at the pain and the experience they're going through. It's, it's not comparable. So I continued pushing through and I finished it, burst into tears, an absolute mess. But it was my best because it gave me real perspective on what is important. I've been a little bit late for a run or missing the queue in the toilets. It really isn't. And the fact that just those around you, you can feed off their energy at times to get you in a better place. So oddly as a choice in terms of the state of me, that was yep. probably my best. Amazing. And then on the flip side of that, the hardest. Run eight, I think it was, on my 10 in 10. I'd um, slipped and turned my ankle. I'd had an injury on my knee as well. And I was bleeding. It was just everything had gone wrong with me. And I was struggling to walk. Um, and that was a real grit to actually get out the door knowing not only did I have to do a marathon that day, but the next two days afterwards. Uh, and that was horrid. There was, but this interesting in terms of a fundraising tip for people, there's a video of me coming in at the end of that. And I swear the Grin Reaper is jogging behind me waiting. <laughs> and I, but I got the most sponsorship that day because I think people just felt sorry for the absolute state of me. <laughs> so show yourself to be in the real, Completely in the mud. broken, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, what do you love about being active? For me, I love the, and the absolute direct correlation between physical activity and the mental well-being you get from it. Because very rarely I'm going to do anything. It could be out playing with the kids, um, doing a sport, running. Very rarely to finish, I go, oh, no, I feel really rubbish after that now. Mm-hmm. Often there's a bit of a high. Your doms will catch up with you later, but yep. it's normally that it's that buzz and high from doing it. Amazing. Cole, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, probably the best way is my Instagram, and that is fighting the dad bod. So that's fighting underscore the underscore dad bod. And that's all my fun and games. You look at my Instagram TV channel. It's got probably the last 40 of the interviews I've done. And it says all my activities for this year as well. There's 26 in 26 different ways. Amazing. And we're looking forward to following that even further. Carl, thank, thank you. you very much. Super. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening. We hoped you enjoyed another inspiring episode on the Outside and Active podcast. If you liked what you heard, please do head over to your favorite podcast player, rate us five stars and tell us why you like the episode so much. Thank you also to our amazing partners at Dry Robe, the original outdoor change robe company. Find out more about their entire range of dry robes at dryrobe.com. Until next time, enjoy the outside. <laughs>